Hello and welcome to the Incredible Witness podcast. Today's episode is titled, What We Really Need to Learn. Following the sad and very tragic death of, Bron- of two-year-old Bronson Brattersbury that came to light on the 9th of January this year, the social worker and the profession has been under attack by some sections of the media and Bronson's mother for failing to save Bronson's life. Although it should be recognised that the, that the information I gleaned from a number of sources confirmed that the social worker had done all that was required of her and more. She had visited the property on no less than three occasions, on the 2nd, 4th and, and finally the 9th of January, due to not receiving any response from the pre-arranged visit made whilst contacting Mr Battersby on the, t- on the 27th of December. On both the 2nd and the 4th of January, the social worker contacted the police due to her concerns having not been able to see Bronson and his father. I understand that the social worker had also made contact with neighbours and Bronson's mother in an effort to confirm his well-being and whether or not he had been seen by anyone. On the 9th of January, due to the efforts of the social worker, she was able to gain entry to the property as a result of of contacting the landlord. From my perusal of the media coverage of this sad case, it must have been nothing other than devastatingly distressing to have been confronted with the sight of Mr Battersby and Bronson's gaunt body curled up beside him. The social worker's worst nightmare was realised in those moments, and the grim reality of the circumstances of their deaths and vivid images of their demise is without doubt etched indelibly into the social worker's mind's eye. Understandably, I gather she has had some much-needed voluntary time away from work, but how does one fully recover from such a tragic, shocking and traumatic discovery? The events of the days after the 27th of December 2023 will most likely be playing over and over again on repeat in her head, accompanied by the sight and circumstances of their deaths that will probably remain on the screen of her mind for the rest of her life. As if that was not enough to have to deal with, the social worker has been subjected to unfair blame and criticism from Bronson's mother and some of the reports from the press. She will have to face further discussions and exploration about her practice and involvement in the case since it was allocated to her. Her memory of Bronson and his death, despite her concerns and efforts to protect him, will likely haunt her for the rest of her life. This is, as I said earlier, a social worker's worst nightmare and it, and it is an experience we all dread. That could happen to any social worker at any time, unless of course you have been able to accurately res- assess the risk that is posed to the child from their parents and act appropriately and in a timely manner to safeguard a child's life. However, in order to accurately, accurately assess the risk or risks posed to a child's health, life, health and well-being, you have to have all the facts and information you need in order to arrive at a sound and safe decisions. From my reading of the media coverage of Bronson's death, one piece of information which was conspicuous to me was that the social workers were not, it appears, fully aware of the extent of Mr Battersby's health issues. Melanie Battersby, Bronson's adult sister, explained in an interview in The Guardian that Lincolnshire Social Services had not been aware that her father 
had experienced a heart attack a few months prior to his death. She said, had social services been told of my father's health issues after they were first unable to contact him, it could have been a different outcome for, for my baby brother. In other reports about the tragic double deaths, there was some brief mention that Mr. Battersby had a pre-existing health complaint, but it is not clear whether this matter was well known or openly, or openly shared with Lincolnshire Social Services prior to the unfortunate set of events that later took place. What does seem clear is that the very pertinent information concerning Mr. Battersby's heart attack a few months earlier had not been shared with the social work professionals at the time, when the social worker were first was first unable to, ac- to gain access to the family home on the 2nd of January 2024. This being the case, it means the social workers and the, and the police were unaware of the very relevant information which resulted in Bronson's death from starvation and dehydration. In the absence of being in receipt of such information, they were essentially wrong-footed or in the dark about matters that were vital in terms of ensuring Bronson's safety. I conducted a poll on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago now. I made a statement and asked participants a question as follows. Social workers should always be able to save children's lives. How reasonable is this expectation? Participants were provided with four answers to choose from as follows. A. Mostly reasonable. B. Mostly unreasonable. C. Totally unreasonable. And D. Can't say too many variables. The outcome of the poll was as follows. 6% voted for A. 16% voted for B. 44% voted for C. And 34% voted for D. What I gained from the result of the poll was that the majority of social workers, 60%, considered it unreasonable to believe that social workers should always be able to save children's lives. Just over a third, 34% of participants, voted that they could not say because they were too, there were too many variables to consider to allow them to form a clear answer to the question. A small number of participants, 6%, considered it was mostly reasonable to believe that social workers should always be able to save children's lives. The vast majority of participants were social workers or in closely related occupations, and I suspect that, had participants been members of the general public, that the number of people who voted for A would have been substantially higher. Because I believe that the views of the majority of the public is that social workers should always be able to save the lives of children. The premise in which this this case, and I think many other cases, are based upon is that the death was obviously preventable and therefore should have been prevented by the social worker or social workers. And of course, if you have all the, the pertinent information required, then you're in the optimum position to make the decision which can save a child's life. How often, though, are social workers in the possession of all the information they need to make fully informed decisions which save children's lives? I don't pretend to to have a clear answer to that question. Maybe, though, the answer is more often than we realise. And if that is the case, it accounts for the many many thousands of lives social workers have saved that they have never received credit for 
and habitually go unreported because their work is either taken for granted, minimised or undervalued. If this is the case, and I firmly believe that it is, then, then are we not looking at this entire matter the wrong way around? Instead of focusing solely on the, on the distressing, unfortunately lives that have been lost, we should also be celebrating the tireless, great work that not only kept so many children alive, but ensured they were provided a far greater quality of care, health and development throughout their, throughout their childhood. However, there will always be situations in which, despite their best efforts, social workers will not have all the relevant information, and the absence of just one missing piece of information could spell the difference between a child living and dying. In Bronson's case, the main responsibility, as I see it, rested with the family to inform social workers of the, of the serious health concerns of Mr Battersby. Although you could argue that social workers made an assumption about his health, an assumption that was incorrect. Had the, social, had the family chosen to disclose the fact that he had recently had a heart attack, the chances are that the social workers would have been far more clued up on the very matters which resulted in imposing the serious risk of harm to Bronson. Talking about focusing on matters the wrong way around, it's my contention that we are inclined to place the responsibility for a child's life firmly at the feet of social workers once social services are involved. I consider that this is an error that is consistently made that allows parents and family members, and in some cases neighbours, and the community to gloss over issues of their own responsibility and point the finger of blame elsewhere. This, in my view, is a very unhelpful and misleading habit which has been allowed to flourish in our society and I consider, despite the most mostly sterling work of social workers, is responsible or plays a significant part in the small proportion of lives that social workers have been unable to save. I fully realise that my views and sentiments will not be appreciated by many in, the, in our society, including a number of people in the social work profession. Nevertheless, I think this has to be said. Whilst I understand and support the drive to ensure that all children's lives are saved, I no longer believe it is always possible to save every child's life. Whilst we have come a long way in improving our safeguarding practice, and will continue to do so, this has not resulted in saving every child's life, and I do not believe it ever will. Although I am stating the obvious, it seems to have been forgotten that social workers and those we serve are human. To be human means to be just that, to have the capacity to err, to tire, to become sick and cease to live. And given the nature, volume, stresses and pressures of the work, this should not come as a surprise. To expect social workers to get, always get it right under all circumstances when they consistently go unrecognised for the priceless work they do and cannot in all situations know what families choose to hide from them is nothing short of folly. When we fail to even acknowledge the great work undertaken on a daily basis but choose to scrutinise, criticise and blame social workers involved in a, in a tragedy, we demonstrate how skewed the lens of society's vision is and in so doing place a greater burden on the shoulders of professionals that are already bowing. The social work profession itself I consider need to stop looking at social workers 
from a type of deficit model and instead recognise, value and celebrate the many strengths that positive and, pos- and positive outcomes that social workers continually achieve, despite the many challenges constantly faced. Sadly, in my view, Bronson will not be the last child that dies whilst, whilst allocated to a social worker. If we really want to learn lessons from his death and, and death of those before him, we need to cease placing the responsibility for a child's death at the door of social services. It may be instructive to bear in mind that on average, 58 children die each year in the UK at the hands of or as a result of a family member or step-parent. This is more than one child per week. What I do not know is what percentage of those children had the support of a social worker. But out of the average of 58 children which die every year, only a very tiny proportion involve children who had who had a social worker. Given the willingness of the media to slam and blame social workers following the death of any child, I am confident that if this were not the case, the media would have been eager to have slated social workers and jumped on them from a very great height. We also need to to celebrate, value and appreciate the sterling work achieved daily by social workers. We need to rebalance the detrimental, skewed way society looks at those tasked with the burden of safeguarding the most vulnerable in our society. Until next time.